something weird. I'm Anna and here is our co-host Brooke. Hello. Here you'll find semi-regular dialogue on all things paranormal or even just a little bit weird. We're lifelong friends who've had an affinity for the strange since we met and now we're here to explore these phenomena with you. Each week one of us digs into a paranormal tale as we ponder the question, do we want to believe? And this is my week. Yet again, comes so fast. Yeet. I feel like my past several episodes have been just about cursed things. Yeah, we've had a trend. That's for sure. It's been a lot of curses. So I'm going to take us back into, I don't know, just really some of the the good old straight up paranormal that we were first introduced to. Nice. Today, we're taking a jaunt to Huffman, Texas, in the year of 1980. Here, we'll dissect not only an alien and UFO encounter, but one that's described as, quote, the most important UFO cases in the history of UFOlogy. Oh, that's big. That's a really big uh, statement. Really big statement. And have I heard of this before? (laughs) I don't know. Okay, I guess I'll find out. That statement came from news reporter and UFO researcher Bob Pratt, who dedicated his, well, he's been dedicated to researching UFOs since 1975. So, Good man. I think it's a pretty solid encounter. I don't know if it's the most important. I don't really know what makes An encounter that. important? Or the They're most all important. important. Yeah, right? <laughs> Um, all right, well, I'll see if I agree with Mr. Mr. Pratt. All right. We'll see what makes this such an important encounter, and let's get into it. On December 29th, Betty Cash, along with her friend Vicki Landrum and Landrum's seven-year-old grandson, Colby, were driving home from a dinner out on the town to Dayton, Texas, along Highway FM 1485. It's a long, desolate road used only by the few residents of the small country towns as a connecting path. You're really not going to be seeing many people, especially at night. Running 30 miles from Houston Metropolis, it was a quiet road at the worst of times and very isolated during this particular drive. After 30 minutes driving on the lonely highway, all three of them, Vicki, Colby, and Betty, all remember a bright blue diamond that, quote, split the sky as it moved down towards the shocked motorists. The craft moved along the road at tree level, and as it traveled, cones of fire seemed to shoot out from under the craft, sending it upwards, almost like it was treading the air. Okay. Do you remember those um, little, like, water games, and you, like, would press a button and a little thing inside it would, like... jump up a little bit it was like actual water like little like square things and they yeah yeah and then you would just like press air and it would just like 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I picture. Just a little like bloop, bloop, bloop. Okay. That's no. not what I was picturing. Um, but I like it. Yeah, I don't think that's probably what it looked like at all. But that's the first thing that came to mind when I heard this story, okay. or that description, at least. So, The Landrums and company kept driving anxiously, hoping to leave whatever they just encountered behind. But suddenly, the craft landed in the middle of the road, blocking their path. Betty hit the brakes, staring at the diamond-shaped craft that stood between them and home. They all describe the scene as awe-inducing, but Colby got freaked out and stayed inside the old cutlass, which is fair. You're too scared. But boss-ass women, Betty and Vicky, hopped out of the car to see what was going on. Vicky, though, promptly returned to Colby in the car. But Betty, in particular, was mesmerized. They describe the atmosphere as if they were in daylight, the light from the craft shining so brightly. The heat was burning Betty's face, but she couldn't look away from the mysterious vessel and described the object as blunt, made of, quote, dull aluminum, and flashing blue lights around the center and beeping loudly as it landed. Do we have an idea of how big this thing is? Probably. <laughs> it's probably out there. Classic Anna From answer. what I, it's big. Like this is a, a craft. Okay. It's not a little orb or anything. Mm-hmm. It's given off a lot of heat. Okay. I'm just trying to visualize, but. Yeah, that's fair. Big enough to block the road. Okay, fair enough. When the craft began to rise up again, Betty turned back towards the car But when reaching out to open the door, the handle was too hot to the touch. So she wrapped her jacket around her hand, and she managed to get it open and get back inside, but it was stifling. Landrum says that it was so hot that when she pressed her hand into the dashboard, the softened vinyl was left with an imprint that was still visible weeks later. Jeez. This was a toasty car. How's Colby? Is he, like, boiling on the inside? (laughs) Who knows? Gosh, you'd think he'd want to get out of the car at that point if it's that hot. Yeah, but it sounds like it was also hot for Betty as she stared into the face of this craft. And and just, I mean, I'm sure it all happened in a in a heartbeat. So no, Colby was just that big of a bitch that he wouldn't get out of the car. (laughs) Vicky jumps right back in. Nope, 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 no, 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 no. Let's go. As Betty retreated back into the car, finally getting pulled away from the vision, the guttural chop of helicopters surrounded them. Large ones. These were military choppers. Betty recalls they were trying to encircle the thing. They counted 27 of them, and immediately the diamond craft departed towards the trees as helicopters followed, leaving Cash and the Landrums in silence and solitude on the long stretch of highway. Yes. Bloop. They're out of there. 27 helicopters? That's a lot. That's a lot. So they're Even just like, like, they just come in, do whatever shit they do, and then they're out? Like, that. Okay. Who? The helicopters the, or the Yeah, the diamond? helicopters. That's a massive effort. 
Yeah. I mean, where'd they come from? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so just bear that in mind. 27, that's a lot of helicopters. I don't even know if I've seen more than, like, maybe two at a time Mm -hmm. in the sky at Mm -hmm. once. I haven't really given it much thought, but now that I do. Hmm. So Betty, like any reasonable person, she cranked up the air conditioning in the car to cool it off before picking back up on their journey home. Every so often, still though, they'd catch a glimpse of the UFO in the distance, the lights illuminating the area around it, and the helicopters still at chase. The whole thing had taken place over the course of about 20 minutes. Wow. Okay, so not a heartbeat. No. Not a second. Like, this was a pretty long encounter, I -hmm. guess. Unless they're counting the time driving home. But it sounds like even when they're driving home that they're still seeing something, right? Yeah. Like, they're still witnessing it and, like, witnessing whatever chase is happening with the 27 helicopters. That's baffling. Yeah. Like, what? After Betty dropped Vicky and Colby off at their house, Betty headed home. There was no recap session with the three of them that night. Which what? I cannot wrap my head around. Like, what? I would be... Can you imagine we're driving home? Even if it's not together. Imagine you're with just some random... Not random, but acquaintances. You wouldn't stop talking about it. I wouldn't go I'd to be, sleep that night. Like, it, that would be, that, that's a very significant event. And I feel like these my, people are just like, that was crazy. It was super warm. Like, what is happening? My life would be derailed. I guess they just weren't that concerned at this point, at least. Okay. I'll never understand so things that. Didn't, okay. No, no. I always want to recap. Always. It's the best. Yeah. After a night of drinking out in the town, you got to recap. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine what kind of recap you'd want after a UFO encounter? (laughs) You need a recap of the recap. Oh, my gosh. These people. Things didn't just return to normal as they crossed their thresholds. Within hours, all three developed blisters and had swelling of the neck while vomiting and losing consciousness. Radiation. Common symptoms post-UFO encounters, and also signs of radiation poisoning. Oh. So by January 3rd, Betty's case had worsened so much that she almost fell into a coma, and she ended up at the Houston Parkway Hospital. Betty's hair had begun falling out in chunks and her face swelled so badly that she couldn't see. It seems Betty, who had spent the most time more closely engaged with the object, suffered the worst of the symptoms. Again, symptoms of radiation exposure. Ugh. Oh God, I'm just having flashbacks of Chernobyl. Chernobyl, I know. Yeah. That's what I was thinking about too. Not like I was there or went through anything personally, but just like... Just that, like, visual. Oh, my gosh. Ugh. Chernobs. Chernobs, man. Mm. Okay, so Betty's not doing well. Betty is not doing well. When first admitted, nurses believed, actually, that all three had been burn victims. It was that bad. So 
they were all exhibiting signs of something awful. <laughs> yeah. Betty spent an initial 13 days in the hospital before being released and then returned for another 15 after. Mm. All three of them did ultimately recover, but continued to experience lifelong problems with blisters suddenly appearing on their skin, after effects, and just random symptoms. They recovered mainly, but it still lingered. Right. Vicky agreed to authenticate her story by undergoing hypnotic regression with Wyoming professor Dr. Leo Sprinkle. Ah! Sprinkle! Sprinkle! Good man. Sprinkle believes her account and says that he believes that the craft was, quote, under intelligent control. Alright. So we've got Sprinkle on board. Okay. Four months later, in April of 1981, Vicky and Colby were reintroduced to that fateful night. As part of a local fundraiser, a Boeing Chinook CH-47 helicopter would land in Dayton, allowing the public a chance to see the machinery and speak with the pilot. Vicky thought of Colby, who had developed anxiety when hearing the sound of helicopters, perhaps letting him meet some sort of hero and have a view of the inside of one of these regular aircraft would help ease his nervousness. So they went to the event. I feel like this isn't going to go well. Yee. During a speech to the guests, the pilot claimed to have been in that same area before due to an incident involving a UFO. Well, shit. Colby's like, what? What? Are you? Yeah, I'm right. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> He's just shit in his pants. Oh my god, can you imagine? He goes there to ease his anxiety, and then it's just like, oh, I was there. I was there that night. Oh my god. I've been here. I've been here to check out them UFOs. Colby's just sweating bullets. Poor soul. Vicky was quick to share that she had been part of that incident, and she told the pilot of injuries she and her friend and grandson experienced. When hearing this, the pilot's cheerful hero persona evaporated. He quickly had Vicky and Colby removed from the scene and refused to speak any further on the encounter. What? Why? That... Also rude. Like, you're the one who brought it up. Yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. It was like, oh, okay, he doesn't, like, want the secret to get out that that was, like, something that took place, but... You just told everyone. You just told the entire crowd that you were there. So, sounds like a dick. Yeah, I mean, he sounds like a dick. But my only thought is that, well, a couple thoughts. One, he would assume that people would be like, oh, (laughs) you were here for UFO encounter. Chalk it up to a joke. Okay. That could be one possible outcome. Another is that... He really did want to share something about UFOs, but when they were talking about the injuries and everything that came along with it, it was like, oh shit, uh, should probably shut this down. Maybe the gov is on him. The MIBs are just... No, but maybe it is something like a, I don't know, a sort of like active investigation sort of situation where it's like, yeah, we can acknowledge that there was some event, but it didn't, you know... They probably want to send the message, like the helicopter people probably want to send the message of like, it wasn't a threat, no one was involved, etc. But if they start hearing like, oh, these civilians 
are suffering. Now we have a bigger problem on our hands. So like, shut this down. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Betty passed away in 1998 and Vicky in 2007, leaving Colby alone as the last of the trio to witness the encounter. But he was not, indeed, the last witness entirely. It's on record, which record, hell if I know, that someone else at the event witnessed the interaction between the Landrums and the pilot and eventually tracked down the pilot who agreed to speak anonymously but shared little other than that he was aware of the incident the Landrum spoke of and of their sustained injuries. Hmm. Okay. Three other witnesses claimed to have also seen the diamond-shaped craft, including an off-duty policeman, Detective Lamar Walker, and his wife, along with an oil field worker on his way home. None of them vacated their cars or experienced any consequential illness or injury. They also attest to the presence of a number of heavy-duty military helicopters. Hmm. That's like a pretty, I mean, off-duty policeman, also a detective. That's a pretty good confirmation. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this definitely happened. Like, yeah. there's no question there, at least for me. Like, this is definitely okay. happened. I guess I'm just wondering, like, what's... What's the agenda? What is this organization or whatever it is? What's their goal? Yeah. That's just kind of what I'm struggling with. But Following their illnesses after the experience and believing the government had a hand in the experience, both Cash and Landrum contacted their U.S. senators, Lloyd Benson and John Tower, who told them to file a complaint with the Judge Advocate Claims Office at Bergstrom Air Force Base. Betty, Vicky, and Colby all underwent heavy questioning by Bergstrom personnel. Afterwards, it was suggested that they hire lawyers and seek financial compensation for their injuries. Oh. So this is the Gubb's so, fault? It's what it sounds. <gasps> was they the government, are, like, testing a spacecraft? I don't know. But this is all, like, very... I mean, they're straight up saying, lawyer up, get money. Wow. No denial, Yet, at least. But, like, this is from Bergstrom personnel from the Air Force Base. Wow. That's kind of a new one. Usually it's all that what you're talking me. about. Because, yeah, because even if the rabbit hole theory I'm going down is that this is government testing of a spacecraft that they've been working on, which, like, I'm sure that's happening in Area 51 and other locations alike, whatever. So my thought was that this was a, their testing and then the like 27 helicopters or whatever, it wasn't so much a chase as it was like an escort, you know, to like get it yeah. back to where it was going. But if that was the case, why would then the Air Force Base be saying you should get paid? Because then they're just, they're admitting guilt. But maybe it's, maybe there are... You know, different people got different memos because it could just be like, you know, the Bergstrom Air Force Base personnel. They're like, yeah, that sounds awful. We don't know what happened. Um, you should take this somewhere else because we honestly don't know what this could have been. And then like the higher ups are like, shut the fuck up. Or that could have been a direct order from the higher ups to get them to shut the fuck up. 
if you just push them out the door saying like, yeah, you're right, you should be compensated, you're probably going to shut up, you know? Hmm. I don't know. That's too much of a conspiracy No, that it's just kind of a, a first as far yeah, as things that's go. that's so strange. Huh. After speaking with the Bergstrom team, Landrum even took to speaking with NASA and working with MUFON to help research the case. People were involved, and I thought I'd written the name down, but there was someone at NASA who was willing to look into this with hmm. Landrum. There was some, some heavy involvement from big hitters. Interesting. In 1982, Lieutenant Colonel George Sarin of the Department of the Army Inspector General began the only thorough formal governmental investigation into the supposed UFO encounter. Now they're saying supposed. Mm-hmm. He could not find any evidence that the helicopters the witnesses claimed to have seen belonged to the U.S. Armed Forces. Sarin stated, quote, Miss Landrum and Miss Cash were credible. The policeman and his wife, who claimed to have seen 12 helicopters near the UFO site, were also credible witnesses. There was no perception that anyone was trying to exaggerate the truth. So it's just this back and forth, like... The, none of did this they? makes sense. Like, <laughs> unless no one is, like, on the same page and they're all just trying to, like, pass the bill or whatever, like, I just don't... How can there be this much miscommunication? It's some pretty mixed signals. <laughs> Cash and Landrum eventually sued the U.S. federal government for $20 million. The case tread water for several years until August 21st, 1986, when the case was dismissed, citing lack of evidence showing that the helicopters they encountered had any association with the U.S. government and military. Military officials and commercial airfields also claimed that none of their bases had helicopter aircraft in use the night of December 29th, and further, CH-47s aren't normally on site at their respective locations. Didn't the fucking pilot say that they were there? Yeah. What is happening? Everyone has a different story. Okay, so they're not denying that the helicopters had any association with the U.S. government and military. But could that be technical wording because they were instead associated with U.S. UFO research? Like maybe it sounds like a technicality to me. Maybe. They're like, well, you're but suing I mean, us for this one particular thing, but it's not true and you have no proof. But it's like an agency outside of whatever and they're maybe. I just don't understand the motive. I can't understand anyone's motive because they're all doing something different. Like, what the? F we have the Bergstrom Air Force personnel. Right. We have. Lieutenant Colonel Saren, who is the one who's actually going in doing the inspection for the army. Right. I mean, I guess those are kind of the, the two biggest ones that would be on. Well, then you have the courts. Influential. Yeah. And like what the courts I are mean, saying. I mean, to even like move that forward. Yeah. But you never know like what or who is behind the court. And, you know, what their opinion is or what their decision is. So, I don't know. I feel like there's just this big piece of the puzzle that we don't have. I'm confused. 
Yeah, I mean that could be my fault, but I don't think it is. No, I don't I think, think it's your fault. I think it's just, and I mean maybe that's what Pratt is talking about—that this is like so important—is because like the the amount of people and organizations that are involved in this, and the lack of clarity, and it's not just a straight denial, is very perplexing. I agree. I think it is the most important considering there's there are no actual denials of it happening. Mm-hmm. In fact, the opposite. They're saying these are credible witnesses. And there's just no doubt that something happened. Right. So where does that leave us? There was an inspection of Betty's car in early 1981. No radioactivity was found. Neither was any found at the site of the incident. Other UFO researchers, though, note that high-energy ionizing radiation, or the kind that damages human beings, does not affect radioactivity in objects and wouldn't have left any traces of radioactivity in the area or materials. Really? Uh, That seems... Seems strange. I mean, unless I'm misunderstanding that, but it kind of goes against like every other UFO encounter story that we've talked about where it's like, oh, there's radiation in their clothing. So like it must have been aliens, right? Like the diet love. Yeah, usually they're able to find radiation. I mean, maybe there are different types of radiation that I'm, I mean, I'm I'm sure there are (laughs) that I'm not aware of. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. The last thing I've really been able to pull up about it was that almost 30 years later, the History Channel series UFO Hunters um, decided to head to Liberty County to try to figure out what happened after the event. The producer, Kevin Barry, said it's a fascinating case, mentions the dashboard and Vicki Landrum's handprint, and basically just put out a, a call for information saying to... Email him at history-channel9 at aol.com or call 310-829-9933. So. Now we have his direct line. That's awesome. Ring him up. (laughs) But that's about it. There there are tons of books on this. And I, this is probably just a little tiny introduction. But at the same time, it feels like it's an overwhelming amount of information that I can't do anything with. Yeah. Everyone that has looked into this case has felt the same way or is kind of left on the same page of just like, this is madness and there's so much going on here, but I have no idea what to tell you. Like there is no conclusion here other than... It sounds like this happened, like it sounds like that encounter and that sighting happened, but I, it seems like there's a lot more going on in terms of like who it was, if it was just a random UFO encounter, which I highly doubt because there's just way too much involvement from other parties. So I have no idea, but I don't blame you for not knowing like where to go with it, you know, or like (laughs) what claim to make because... Obviously, no one else can. The History Channel guy couldn't make up his mind. (laughs) He just put out his email. That's ridiculous. He's like, yo, does anyone know? Literally anyone. Do you know anything? Please. Please call me. Beat me. 
If you want to reach me. <laughs> if you want to page me, it's okay. Whenever okay. you need me, baby. Um, wow. What a what a mess of information. Yeah. That's wild. It's just a weird one. And it, it really is clearly an important one because there's no, again, I just don't know what to do with any of it. Mm -hmm. I just love, though, that there are no denials that yeah. this happened. Mm -hmm. And they experienced physical symptoms throughout their entire lives until they died. And Colby is still struggling, probably. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I like this story because it gives me, like, hearing something like this really makes me feel like, just solidifies my belief and, like, acceptance that UFOs, aliens, and, like, the amount of knowledge and research and, like, testing that's going on is so far beyond what we know and what we think is happening. This just, like, reminds me of that. I'm, like, excited by it, but I don't know if I should be excited by it. Maybe I should be scared. <laughs> and let alone we don't know about it. I feel like even people who should have been in the know so that they could have directed Cash and the Landrums to the proper routes of figuring this out, they didn't know. They were like, yeah, that sucks. Go, go hire lawyers and take this mm -hmm. to the Supreme Court. <laughs> like, So yeah. it's something that I think is reserved for the very elite. Yeah, the top of the top. Tom from Blink-182. <laughs> or the lizard people. They probably know. Yeah, yeah wow. That's, that's nuts. I'll definitely be looking more into this one. I would love an answer someday. Maybe before we die. Or maybe that's just another uh, question we ask God. <laughs> Crazy. Well, Good one. A real classic. Good old UFO story. Yeah. Gotta love an encounter. <laughs> Word. There's not a shrug from us this week. We totally believe this happened. Yep. We've got a lot of questions, clearly. <laughs> but we want to know what you think. What do you believe? Who was puppeteering those helicopters and this blue diamond. Help us answer some questions for us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at, at something weird podcast. And if you have any stories about UFO encounters, alien encounters, or unsuccessful governmental suing missions, we'd love to hear those details and anything that's paranormal, spooky, or even just a little bit weird. We love when you share those. And if you enjoyed any bit or all of our podcast episodes, it would be great if you let us know with a nice five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Um, it always makes us feel nice, as you guys know, and it does help us continue to get the truth out there, which is why we're here. All right, we is... I think we've done it again. Another successful week. Just getting back to our roots. I love it. We made it. We made it. We did it. I just thought of that. Uh, I love that Paul Red gif or jif, whatever it is. It's like, look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs>
I actually don't know what you're talking Are about. Are you kidding? Oh my god. Hold on. No, this one. You've seen this. When he's on that like chicken wing show. It's so fucking good. I love Paul Rudd so much. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. Uh. I've never seen that. Are you kidding? It's like all over the internet. It's just so applicable. Wow. How have you missed that? I don't know, but it's great. Look at us. Oh, um, okay. Sorry. I was saying we've done it again. Look at us. But thank you, Weez. That was great. Something for all of us to look further into, and maybe someday we'll be uh, blessed with an answer. But for now, we don't have one. So wait around until next week until we explore another story. Until next time. Stay weirdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>